Sean Alcoholic. Hi, Sean. I'm reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, pages 63 through 71. This is on the fourth step. Next, we launched out on a course of vigorous action, the first step of which is personal house cleaning, which many of us have never attempted. Though our decision was a vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to face and, and be rid of the things in ourselves which have been blocking us. Our liquor was but a symptom, so we had to get down to causes and conditions. Therefore, we started upon a personal inventory. This was step four. A business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding and fact-facing process. It is an effort to discover the truth about the stock and trade. One object is to disclose damaged or unsellable goods, to get rid of them promptly and without regret. If the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about values. We did exactly the same thing with our lives. We took stock honestly. First, we searched our flaws and our makeup, which caused our failure. Being convinced that self-manifested in various ways was what had defeated us. We considered its common manifestations. Resentment is the number one offender. <clears throat> it destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From its stem, all forms of spiritual disease. For we have been not only mentally and physically ill, we have been spiritually sick. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten our out mentally and physically. In dealing with resentments, we set them on paper. We listed, we listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry. We asked ourselves why we were angry. In most cases, it was found that our self-esteem, our pocketbooks, our ambitions, our personal relationships were hurt or threatened. So we were sore. We were burned up. On our grudge list, we set opposite each name injuries was it our self-esteem or security or ambitions or personal our personal or sexual relations which have been interfered with us usually as definite as definite as this example mr brown his attention to my wife uh, i'm sorry i'm resentful at mr brown the cause was his attention to my wife told my wife and my mistress brown may get the job at the office uh uh, affects my sex relations, my self-esteem, my sex relations, and my uh, self-esteem. <clears throat> Mrs. Jones, she's a nut. This uh, the cause is she's a nut. She snubbed me. She committed her husband for drinking. He's my friend, and she's a gossip. It affects my personal relationship and self-esteem. My employer, they're unreasonable. The cause is they're unreasonable. They're unjust. They're overbearing. Threatens to fire me for drinking and padding my expense account. It affects my self-esteem and security. My, uh, my, I'm resentful at my wife. She misunderstands and nags. Likes Mr. Brown, likes Brown. Wants house put, put in her name. It affects my pride, my personal sex relations, security. We went back through our lives. Nothing count, nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. When we were finished, we considered it carefully. The first thing apparent was that this world and its people were often quite wrong. To conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us ever got. The usual outcome was that people continued to wrong us, and we stayed sore. Sometimes it was remorse, and then we were sore at ourselves. But the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. As in war, the victor only seemed to win. Our moments of triumph were short-lived. It is plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to the futility and unhappiness. To the precise extent that we permit, we permit these, do we squander the hours that might have been worthwhile? But with alcohol, the alcoholic whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, this business of resentment is, an, is infinitely grave. We found that it is fatal, for when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. The insanity of the alcohol returns and we drink again, and with us, to drink is to die. If we, if we were to live, we had to be free of anger. 
The grouch and the brainstorm were not for us. They may be the dubious luxury of the normal men, but the alcoholics, these things are poison. Hmm. We turn back to the list, for it held the key to the future. We were prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. We began to see that the world and its people really dominated us. In that state, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had power to actually kill. How could we escape? We saw that these resentments must be mastered, but how? We cannot wish them away any more than alcohol. This was our course. We realized that people who wronged us, perhaps spiritually sick, were, uh, wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick. Though we did not like their symptoms and the way they disturbed us, they, like ourselves, were sick too. We asked God to help us show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. When a person offended, offended, we said to ourselves, This is a sick man. How can I be helpful to him? God, save me from being angry. Thy will be done. We avoid retaliation or argument. We wouldn't treat sick people that way. If we do, we destroy our chance of being helpful. We not be helpful to all people, but at least God will show us how to take a kindly and tolerant view of each and every one. Referring to our list again, putting out of our minds the wrongs other ha others had done, we uh, resolutely... Resolutely look for our own mistakes. Where have we been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened? Though a situation not, had not been entirely our fault, we tried to disregard the other person involved entirely. Where were we to blame? The inventory was ours, not the other man's. When we saw our faults, we listed them. We placed them be before us in black and white. We admitted our wrongs honestly and were willing to set these matters straight. Notice that the weird fear is bracketed alongside difficulties with Mr. Brown, Mrs. Jones, the employer, and the wife. This short word somehow touches about every aspect of our lives. It was an evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. It is set in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune. We felt we didn't deserve, but did not we ourselves see the ball rolling? Sometimes we think fear ought to be classed with stealing seems to be more trouble we reviewed our fears uh, our, our fears thoroughly we put them on paper even though we had no resentment in connection with them we asked ourselves why we had them wasn't it because self-reliance failed us self-reliance was good as far as it went but it didn't go far enough some of us once had great self-confidence but it didn't solve the fully solve the fear problem or any others when it made us cocky it was worse perhaps there's a better way we think so for we are now, uh, now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust infinite God rather than fi the finite selves. We are in the world to play the role he assigns, just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him. Does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? We never apologize to anyone for depending upon our creator. We can laugh at those who think spiritually the way of weakness. Uh, paradoxically, it, it is a way of strength. The verdict of the ages is, a faith me is that faith means courage. All men of faith have courage. They trust their God. We never apologize for God. Instead, we let him demonstrate through us what he can do. We ask him to remove our, our fear and direct our attention to what we would have us be. At once, we commence to outgrow fear. Commence to outgrow fear. Now about sex. Many of us needed an overhaul in there. But above all, we try to be sensible on this question. It's so easy to get way off track. Here we find human opinions running to the extremes. Absurd extremes, perhaps. One set of voices cry that sex is a lust of, power, of our lower nature, a base of necessity of procreation. 
Then we have the voices who cry for sex and more sex, who be well the institution of marriage, who think that most of the troubles of the race are traceable to sex causes. They think we do not have enough of it, or that it isn't the right kind. They see it as significance. They see its significance everywhere. One school would allow man no flavor for his flair, and the other would have all of us on a on a straight pepper diet. He, <laughs> we want to stay out of this controversy. We do not want to be the arbiter of anyone's sex content conduct. We all have sex problems. We'd hardly be human if we didn't. What can we do about them? We reviewed our conduct over the years past. Where have we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? Whom have we hurt? Did we unjustifiably, unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? We got this all down on paper and looked at it. In this way, we tried to shape a, same, a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. We subjected each relation to this test. Was it selfish or not? We asked God to mold our ideas and help us to live up to them. We remembered always that our sex powers were God-given and therefore good, neither to be used lightly or selfishly, nor to be despised and loathed. Whatever our ideal turns out to be, we must be willing to grow toward it. We must be willing to make amends where we have done harm, provided that we do not bring about still more harm in doing so. In other words, we treat sex as we have any other problem. In meditation, we ask God what we should do about the specific matter. The right answer will come if we want it. God alone can judge our sex situation. Cancel with persons is often desirable, but we let God to be the final judge. We realize that some people are as fanatical about sex as others are loose. We avoid hysterical thinking or advice. Suppose we fall short of the chosen ideal and stumble. Does this mean we are going to get drunk? Some people tell us so, but this is only a half-truth. It depends on us and on our motives. If we are sorry for what we have done and have the honest desire to let God take us to better things, we believe we will be forgiven and will have learned our lesson. If we are not sorry and our conduct continues to harm others, we are quite sure to drink. We are not theorizing. These are facts out of our experience. To sum up about sex, we'll earnestly pray for the right ideal, for guidance in each questionable situation, for sanity, and for the strength to do the right thing. It is, if sex is very troublesome, we throw ourselves we throw ourselves the harder into helping others. We think of their needs and work for them. This takes us out of ourselves. It quiets the imp- imp- imperious act, urge then when the yield would mean a heartache. If we, if we have been thorough about our personal inventory, we have written a lot, down a lot. We have listened and analyzed our resentments. We, we have begun to comprehend their futil- futil- futility and their fatality. We have commenced to see their terrible destructiveness. We have begun to learn tolerance, patience, and goodwill toward all men, even our enemies, for we look on them as sick people. We have listed the people we have hurt by our conduct and are willing to straighten out the past if we can. In this book, you read again and again that faith did for us what we could not do for ourselves. We hope you are convinced now that God can remove whatever self-will has blocked you off from him. If you have already made a decision and an inventory of your grosser, grosser handicaps, you have made a good beginning. That beginning so you have swallowed and digested some big chunks of truth about yourself.